today, all right? Yes? I got sent to, um, I, I don't, I love Easter, but it's not good for you, eh? I got sent yesterday to go and buy some pizza bases for lunch, because um, we're having homemade pizzas, and I came back with peppermint flavoured marshmallow Easter eggs, caramel, caramello ones, and, and just the normal standard ones. And so what should have cost me about $3 for pizza bases, ended up cost me $20 when I added the Easter goodies in. So the sooner Easter is over, the better it is on my wallet. How many people have the same issues that I have? You lying people. How many people, when you've gone into the supermarket in the last two weeks, have brought something that you don't need in regards to Easter? Come on, let's be honest here this morning. It's time for you to confess. Jesus will heal you. And uh, so I can't wait for Easter to be over, but at the same time, I can't wait for Easter to really begin because it's such a great opportunity for us to uh, understand who Christ is and what is. That's just a great reminder. And so next Sunday, you don't want to even miss next Sunday, even though it's not Easter, because next Sunday, every single family in the church is going to get a gift, mm, which has a relevance towards Easter so that as we lead into Easter, you can spend every single day of that week building into Easter, just really uh, reflecting on what God has done for you. I promise you, you'll love it, and it's going to be absolutely brilliant. But this morning, um, uh, I want to talk to you about a, a message called The Treasure is in the Field. Everybody say, The Treasure is in the Field. The Treasure is in the Field. See, most people approach Christianity um, because of the treasures, yes? We like the fact that we're saved. Anybody like the fact that you're saved? Anybody like the fact you're going to heaven and not hell? Okay, not a lot of hands go up, so one of you, most of you want to go to hell. How many people like the fact that we go to heaven and not to hell? Okay, that's all right. How many people love the fact that you're saved? How many people like the fact that you're healed? How many people like the fact that when you put God first in your finances, He puts you first? So there's a whole lot of treasures around our Christian world. There's a whole lot of treasures around Christianity and a lot of people uh, love the treasure side of our walk with God, a treasure side of pursuing Christ. What we don't tend to like too much is, the, is to talk about what we have to do or what we have to give up or what effort we have to put in. Uh, you know, I, 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 want to, I want to just get the treasures without having to do some of the stuff and what do I mean by some of the stuff that we have to do? Well, if you would turn with me to Matthew 13, 44, Jesus is talking and he says this, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I'm a little confused by this guy because he finds a treasure and then he goes and hides it in a field and then he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. Why didn't he just take the treasure back to his house? And then he wouldn't have had to have buy the, brought the field, yeah? Why, why would, why don't you just, you found this treasure, so I hid it in a field, and then I went and sold everything I had so that I could buy the field. So that I could buy the field. The thing is, is that what Christ or God is trying to show us through this scripture is, is that the treasure is always in the field. You, you cannot buy the treasure. Are you with me this morning? You can't buy the treasure. You can't pray the treasure. You can't fast the treasure. You can't give the treasure. The treasure is always in the field. And if you want the treasure, then you have to buy the field. 
You can't have the treasure without buying the field. The treasure's not for sale. There's no price on the treasures of the kingdom, but he does tell us where we can find the treasures, where we can find our healing, where we can find our breakthrough, where we can find God, and it's in the field. You have to go and buy the field if you want the treasure. You can't just have the treasure without having the field. You have to buy it. Why? Because Jesus is the pearl of great price, and he showed that to us. God showed that to us when he put Jesus, the treasure, into the field and laid down his life life, gave up his life so that he could purchase the field that is you and I and every other person. And that's why the Bible says that it's no longer you that live, that Christ that lives in you because you have been brought with a price because the day that Jesus died on the cross, the treasure in the field, God purchased the field with the treasure in it. And you're the treasure. You're the treasure that he purchased. Your giftings, your callings, everything about you, your wonderful personality. Yes, even yours, Tyler, your wonderful personality. It's purchased. God understood something and he understands something that we don't understand is that the thing that you're looking for is always in the field. But you have to buy the field if you want the treasure. Are you with me this morning? You have, to, you have to understand that his treasure is hidden from pew warmers. His treasure is hidden from people that come to church on Sunday, tick the box, and act like they've been a Christian. His treasure is healed from the Bless Me Club. Treasure cannot be found inside the four walls of this church, even though what we're doing within the four walls is not a bad thing. But this is the coach talking to the team. The treasure that you're looking for is not in here. The treasure you're looking for is out there. And if you want the treasure of the kingdom, then you have to be able to lay down your life and sacrifice and purchase the field. You know, our next children's pass is probably waking up hung over this morning because of a big night out last night. The next music director might have got arrested for breaking into cars last night. Are you with me this morning? You've got to understand the thing that you think you can find in here is actually found out there. The treasure is in the field. And if you want the treasure of the kingdom, you have to be willing to sell everything you have to purchase the field. And the thing is the man purchasing the field had no problem sacrificing because he was so excited about the treasure. See, when we lose sight of the treasure, then we're not prepared to pay the price. And as we build into Easter, and as we build into an opportunity in a time where a lot of people go to church because they do Easter and Christmas, we have an opportunity to go into the field these next two weeks and see if we can get some of that treasure into the house on Easter so that that treasure can meet with the treasure that is Jesus Christ and find salvation and find healing and find forgiveness and find all the things that they've been looking for in the field that they'll actually find in the house. We have a great opportunity, we have a great responsibility not what we're doing is wrong is, is here, but the, the treasure is in the field. You got that this morning. The treasure's not in here. The treasure is in the field. We have to buy the field if we want the treasure. You see, when God heals you, he doesn't heal you to stay in here. He heals you to go out there and share with the field about what God has done in your life. The blessing 
is in the field and the treasure is in the field and the field, my friend, is where you work. It's where you go to school. The field is your neighbors. The field is anywhere where there's lost people. And I, I, I want you to understand this morning that I'm praying for you and I'm praying for me and have been for the last two or three weeks that we just have a heart for the lost that we'll be so consumed with seeing people saved because I look at people as I'm walking down the street and I'm saying to God, God, show me the treasure. Show me the treasure in people's lives. I'll never forget a story that Trinity told me about one of his students. She runs schools for kids that have been kicked out of school, basically, but they call it excluded now when basically they've been kicked out. And these kids are just punks, you know. When I turn up to visit her at the school, and to be honest with you, within about two minutes, I just want to punch them all in the face. It's just, it's, um, I'm not called to do what she does. And, and some of them are just horrendous and you rock up and they say horrible things. The minute I get out of the car, they start making out that, you know, anyway, they're just, they're, just, they're, they're you know, they're going on about, oh, your wife's going to leave you for me and all this sort of carry on. And, you know, they just think they're all really studly and amazing and then they're not. <clears throat> but there's this one boy I remember Trinity telling me about who was just awful, awful kid. And I know Chantal deals with him as well, and it's just awful kids, horrible, you know, like, it's just, I don't know, I don't know how they do it. And, um, and she was praying one day and said to God, God, you've got to show me something good about this kid because I, I just, I kind of hate him. <laughs> and that's not meant to be Christian. And uh, so you need to find, find something about him that I, can, that I can like. And I remember her telling me, she was getting really excited because she had this breakthrough of this kid. And, and she goes, and God showed me what it was that I could like about this kid. And I go, well, what was it? And she goes, his shoes. His shoes. His shoes. Like, nice shoes. The rest of you sucks, but nice shoes. You know, like, and she just said to this boy, this horrible kid that everybody was just ready to, to kill themselves, she just, she just said to him one day, hey, those are really, I like your shoes. You know that one comment about finding a little bit of treasure brought, brought down the hard walls of this kid's heart, and within a week, she's talking to him like she'll be talking to any of the students. He's loving being in school. He feels loved. He feels cared for. Why? Because she, she said, God, show me something. And I don't know about you, maybe your neighbors drive you nuts. Ours decided to have a party the last two nights in a row, and, and I, I don't really like neighbors that party to three o'clock in the morning. They're not my favorite people in the world while I'm trying to sleep. But God, show me the treasure in the field. Show me the treasure in my workplace. Show me the treasure in my school. Show me the treasure as I'm waiting in the supermarket shopping line. Show me the treasure. God, show me the treasure. Show me what it is that you saw that you thought was so worth it that you laid down your entire life so that you could purchase the field. Because when the treasure is at the forefront of our minds, the price of the field is just not even an equation. You see, I really believe Jesus said, if you get in the field and be the light and be the witness for me, you'll discover hidden treasures that you did not know that you could use. I really believe that God's in the business of taking care of our business if we take care of his business. I've, I've never had to chase money or a career. I've never had to chase that. 
I've, I've just always chased what God has asked me to do, and sometimes well, sometimes not so well. But I've always chased what, what God has called me to do, and even a question at, at Young Adults on Wednesday night was, how did you find your purpose? I didn't really go looking for my purpose. I just did what I was asked to do, and one thing led to the next, which led to the next, which led to the next, and before you know it, God's asking me to do this. It's, it's not something I purposely pursued. It's just, it's just something that as I served Him, as I pursued Him, it chased me. You know, I, I ended up, uh, before I was pastoring here, I ended up as a general manager for a company in New Zealand, a German company, diesel engine company, and, and I should have been uh, a mechanical engineer, but I had no idea about mechanical engineers. Somehow I landed the job. I don't know how I landed the job other than I applied for it and I got it. But I can remember going to meetings and discussing with consultants and they're talking all this mechanical jargon and I'm just like, yeah, that, no, that's a good point. Let me write that down and, and I'll get back to you on that. Basically because I had no idea what they were talking about. And I'd have to ring up uh, this guy Helmut, a German guy and in Melbourne and say, look, they asked me this and this and this, and I learnt on the go, but, but somehow I managed to get this job that I wasn't qualified. I've never had to chase stuff. I've just found that if I chase God, then those things chase me. And the funny thing is, is the scripture teaches us that, doesn't it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, if you would chase after him with everything you've got, then all the things that people chase will actually chase you. You don't need to chase opportunities. Opportunities will chase you if you put the kingdom first, if you put him first. You don't have to chase after a guy. Guys will chase after you if you put the kingdom first. Why? Because people chase opportunities, but people that chase God, opportunities chase them. You, you, I'm just trying to tell you this morning that if you would just focus on the treasure, focus on the field, purchasing the field, you'll find the treasure. If you just go after the lost, if you just go after your neighbors, if you just go after your friends and your families and your work colleagues and start reaching out, and I'm, I'm not saying, don't, don't reach out like some people reach out, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, they say things like, everybody hates me because I'm a Christian, and you go, I don't think it's because you're a Christian. You know, those kind of people. I'm not talking about the bullhorn guy that stands on the corner telling everybody that they're filthy rotten sinners and they're going to hell. They do more damage for the kingdom than any good. I'm talking about people that will connect with friends and connect with family and build relationship. And when opportunity arises, because opportunity chases those who chase God, then you get the opportunity to speak life into them, to speak God into them, because you can see the treasure in the field. You know, there's a story of a, of a woman that spent quite a bit of time in the field. Her name was Ruth. And the key thing for her is that when we understand reading the scripture about her being in the field is that whenever the scripture talks about the field, it's really talking about the world. It's really talking about the harvest of souls. That scripture right at the start where it says he purchased the whole field for the treasures, that he purchased the world. Jesus, God purchased the world. He brought the field because he could see the treasure that was in the field. And he's telling us that that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's, that's what it like to follow Jesus is that you purchase the field because you can see the treasure. And Ruth is in a different situation. Her father-in-law has died, her husband has died, and, 
And then there's just her and Naomi, her mother-in-law, and they've got no way of earning an income back then. Women weren't allowed to have jobs. And, and so she thought that what she would do is she'd just kind of go into these fields of wheat. And after the workers had gone, she'd just go and pick whatever they had left behind and missed along the way. And we pick up the story in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, and it says, And there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Emiliac. His name was Boaz. Boaz, if you don't know, is a type of Christ in Scripture. So Ruth the Moabites Tess, said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, after all the reapers had gone, and she happened to come up come to part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Amelia. So Ruth went into this field, and Boaz was the owner of the field, and when she got into the field, it says that eventually she met Boaz. You see, she was husbandless right now. She had no way of making a living. The story goes on to say that she ends up going on and marrying Boaz, and Boaz marries her and looks after her and looks after Naomi and it's this great happy ending kind of a story but the key thing that you have to understand if we put this into the context of us reaching our world and Boaz being a type of Christ is that the first thing you have to understand is that you'll always meet the master in the field so many people are desperate to meet Jesus but they don't understand that you meet Jesus in the field he's in the field Yes, he's in here this morning, but he's also at your neighbor's house. He's also in your workplace tomorrow morning. He's also in your school tomorrow. He's also always in your family. God is always in the field looking. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit goes throughout the earth, speaking, convicting, trying to bring people to Christ. I want you to understand this. People are so desperate to meet with Jesus inside the four walls, but you'll meet Jesus more in the field than you'll ever meet him in here. Why? Because he's the owner of the field and he cares for the field. Then he's looking after the field. And if you would get out in the field, you'll always meet the master in the field. You'll always meet him in the field. And when Ruth got into the field, the Bible says that, that Boaz met her and he was the master of the field. And so if you ever want to know where Jesus is, if you ever want to know where God is, friend, he's in the field. He's going after the thing that he's laid down his life for. He is here, yes, and he loves us, yes. But where he really is today is every part of our world. He's in Pukekohe, he's in Waiuku of all places, he's in Tuakau, he's in the Tinny House, he's in the, the prison in Tikafota, he is everywhere. The Bible says that there's nowhere that you can hide from him and if you want to find Jesus, truly find him, you'll always find the master in the field. The other thing about when you get in the field is it says here in Ruth 2.9, it says, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. The second thing that I see when we get out into the, into the field is the first thing is you always meet the master in the field. And the second thing, there's always protection in the field. 
I think sometimes we think we're too scared to reach out to those that are unsaved and then in case something happens to us or in case there's some bad reaction to us. But remember who owns the field? Who owns the field? Can anybody tell me who owns the field? (laughs) It's going really well this morning. Who owns the field? If Jesus died on the cross for the field, who owns the field? And if Jesus is the master of the field, then Jesus protects those that are in the field. You are not alone in the field. You are not a, a subject to the principalities and powers that are at work, the demonic forces in the field trying to control you. There's protection in the field. And Jesus says, when you get into the field, not only will you meet me, but I will protect you. I will command them to leave you alone as you're out in the field, finding the treasure. He is with you, not against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Where you go, he goes. The Bible says this, that he clears a way before you. Now just walk ye in it. It's like, it's like I'll go out and I'll clear the path. Just get out in the field. You'll find me in the field. You'll find protection in the field. There's supernatural things that happen in the field. Boaz gives a whole entire corner of the field in the end to her. He, he decides not to reap that corner of the field and lets her have it. How cool is that? that God would turn around and go, there's a part of the field that I've saved for you. I could reap it myself, but I want you to be involved. I want you to have the joy of seeing people come to Christ. I want you to have the joy of seeing your neighbours and your friends and your families finding Jesus. I've saved part of the field for you. For you. Franklin is the field that he saved for us. And he goes, you know what? Give her that part of the field. It goes on in Ruth 2.15. It says, and when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. So she starts off just picking up the pieces that they left behind. Now she's getting a whole corner of the field to herself. Why? Because you always find the master in the field and you always find protection in the field. You can go after the people that God has placed on your heart because He will protect you. I love this. And verse 16, it goes on and it says this. The first thing you find in the field is you always find the master. The second thing you find is you always find protection. And the third thing is this. It says in verse 16, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. I want you to hear me read that scripture again. I want you to hear this. It says, he's talking about the wheat. He's talking about leaving some behind for her, right? It says, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. Of purpose for her. At first I thought maybe they got that wrong because it should read, if he's asking them to leave stuff behind for her, it should read, and let also some of the handfuls for the purpose of her. Like leave some handfuls of stuff for her. But he's saying leave handfuls of purpose for her. It, it, it doesn't, handfuls of purpose, what, what does that mean? Well, the first thing is you always find the master in the field. The second thing is you always find protection in the field. And the third thing is you always find your purpose in the field. 
He said, leave behind handfuls of purpose for her. I mean, I really want to know what God's purpose is for my life. I really want to know what God wants me to do for you. There are handfuls of purpose left for you in the field. Purpose is always found in the field. Why? Because whatever God's into, if we get into it, we find purpose. You always find purpose where God is. You always find purpose when you get in the field. If you, if you tie what you're doing to reaching people, whatever that may be, whatever field that may be, whether it be in your home, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be in your school, whether it be in your neighborhood, if you tie what you do to reaching people, wherever you are, you always find purpose. You'll always find purpose because there's purposes in the field and in the field is the treasure. And when you find the field, you find treasure and then you find purpose and you find the master and you find protection. And all of a sudden, this field that looked like it was of nothing, you start to find the treasure in it. And then the purpose comes on the inside of you where you understand now why God placed me here. If you're the only saved person in your family, it's because God decided that you were the first one that should be saved in your family to reach your family. Oh, I don't feel like I've really reached my family yet. Just be patient. Keep working the field. Take time. Be patient. Work the field. Look to the treasure that you can see. Speak to the treasure that you can see in the, in the field. And don't be afraid to sacrifice for the field. Because you'll always find them in the field. You'll always find protection in the field. And you'll always find your purpose in the field. But if you want to find out what your purpose is, then you've got to get in the field. You're not going to find your purpose outside of the field. You have to get in the field to find your purpose. And I just wanted to challenge you this morning. I know it's not a, it's not a deep theological message for you this morning, but as we get closer to Easter, the time of the year where we celebrate what the resurrected King has done for us, that the resurrected king is resurrecting me. What does that mean? That means that my deadness on the inside is being raised up. Why? So that you can buy the field. So that you can find the treasure in the field. So you can find the master in the field. You can find his protection in the field. And not only that, you'll find his purpose in the field because treasure is only there for reapers. You see, it's one thing to buy the field, but unless you're prepared to reap the field, you'll never get the treasure. There's no point buying a field and just letting it turn to this beautifully grassed meadow. You know, it'd be absolutely pointless. We, we live in an area where there's just a whole lot of market gardens. Can you imagine if all the market gardeners decided, all of them at the same time decided, you know what, all this reaping and sowing in the field, there's just too much hard work. Let's just let it go to grass and we can just enjoy picnics out there, sitting under the tree, you and I would start to panic because our food prices would go up through the roof, wouldn't they? You see, they purchased the field for one purpose, one purpose only, a market gardener. They own the field to sow and reap out of it. To sow and reap out of it. To sow and reap out of it. Jesus purchased the field, the world, for one reason and one reason only, so that you and I could sow and reap out of it. So that we could sow and reap out of it. Paul puts it this way, one, one person sows a seed, another one waters, and to another one comes the harvest or the increase. 
There are people out there that have had the seed sown. They've had the watering. They're just waiting to be harvested. It's treasure in the field just waiting for you and I to just reap where someone else is sowing. And I want to encourage you over these next two weeks, why don't you start to pray, God, show me some treasure in the field. Show me some treasure in the field. I want to invite someone to come at Easter time to church. Show me the treasure that needs to be invited. Show me the treasure in the field. Give me an opportunity, God. I want to, I want to get in the field. I want to find you. I want to find your protection. I want to find your purpose. Help me. Help me get in the field. Now, it may mean that you're going to have to make a conscious decision and do something that you've never done before. You know, it's really hard sometimes for me in my position to meet unsaved people because my whole kind of world is just church. And so I'm thinking to myself, what do I want to do? What, maybe I need to join a table tennis club or, or something where I can meet people who don't know Jesus. Because I need to get in the field. You need to get in the field. You'll find him in the field. You'll find his protection in the field, but most of all, you'll find your purpose in the field because the treasure is in the field, not inside these four walls. Why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment? I don't know everybody that's here this morning and I don't know what your backgrounds are and I don't know where you've come from. And maybe you've never ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior or maybe you've walked away from Him and you're far from Him right now. But here's the cool thing. You see, God isn't interested in where you've been or what you've done. He's interested in the treasure on the inside of you. And He wants you to know that He was prepared to lay His Son's life down so that He could see the treasure in your life come into the kingdom. And He's not asking you to do anything, give up anything, change anything. He's asking you if you would trust Him is what He's really doing. He's saying this morning, would you trust me that I died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven, so you could live a fantastic life? And, and all He's really going to ask you to do is ask you to ask Him to forgive you. Nothing more than that. It seems too simple, but that's the way that God set it up. In fact, the Bible teaches us this, that He has already forgiven you for your sin. You just have to receive it this morning. And I just believe there are people here this morning where, you know, you just, life has been going along and it's just not really changed tack. You've tried all sorts of things and nothing else has worked. Well, I want to tell you this morning, I guarantee you this morning, I'm not guaranteeing your life will be simple, but I guarantee you if you choose Jesus today, if you choose Jesus, your life will change. Not for the worse, but for the better. It may take some time but it'll happen. And so this morning, if you're here and you're man, I, I want to give my life to God, the one that brought the field, that paid the price. I want to get close to, I want to get back in connection with Him. I've walked away. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, Craig, I really love it if you pray for me. Can you just put your hand up right now? Is there anybody that wants to do that this morning in this place? Thank you. Anybody else? I see your hand. I'll just ask you to put it down. Anybody else this morning? You just want to get back with Jesus. Awesome. Let's just pray right now where you are in your seat. Everybody pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you that you died on the cross for our sin. 
God, you didn't die on the cross for anything other than to save us from our sin. And so, God, I just thank you this morning that we can give our sin to you, that you have already forgiven us. And so we pray right now, Father, we receive your forgiveness right now. We ask you to forgive us of our sin and we receive your forgiveness. And we say, come and be our Lord and our Savior right now. Be our God. Help me in my life. Lord, let me find the treasures of my life that you paid the price for so that I might be able to live for you every single day of my life from this day forward. And everyone said, if you made that decision,